Welcome to the Antioch Podcast. We're a justice-minded Christian church in beautiful Bend, Oregon, seeking and celebrating the reconciliation of all things. May the word of Christ dwell in you fully and give you peace. As we move from gathering to listening, our scripture reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it is my great joy to get to introduce our guest speaker today. David Bailey is the founder and chief vision officer of Erebon, which is one of our ministry partners. Those of you who have noticed our little circles out in the hallway, you'll see an Erebon there. Um, we uh, invest in their ministry monthly, and in 2020, we were privileged enough to have a group of us do our first COVID-era Zoom class. We did six weeks with Erebon, and it was fantastic. Anyone here a part of that class? I think I see a few. Yeah, a few of you did that. Um, so Erebon works to help churches learn how to lead by example in cross-cultural engagement and reconciliation. And David, as their leader, is an active speaker, consultant, strategist for many national organizations uh, about cultural intelligence and culture making. He's the co-author of the Race, Class, and Kingdom of God study series that we did back in 2020. And how about this? David was named by Christianity Today as one of the 20 most creative Christians we know. And we have him here with us. Join me in welcoming David. Oh, man, so glad to be with you all. I actually uh, was with you all about uh, five years ago. It was like... um, pre-COVID time, so it feels like um, the ice ages, right? Like, um, 
But yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thank y'all so much for partnering uh, with our ministry, you know, as we grow. And you know, there were a lot of people that were very active in uh, racial healing and justice in 2020. And then, you know, it's, it's just kind of uh, um, waned out. The, 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 the uh, fire, the enthusiasm has kind of calmed down. I'm really thankful for those who have just been faithful and and try to say, hey, what does it look like for us to kind of stay faithful as the people of God? So would you give yourself a round of applause just for partnering that? You know, today uh, we are going to spend some time in this text, particularly around Jesus uh, and these parables. And uh, Jesus, uh, you know, asked 307 questions. Jesus asked 307 questions and only really gave three answers to the questions that he was asked. <laughs> You know, and this was, uh, uh, not only did he like uh, uh, ask questions, but he told stories and parables. And uh, uh, this is like, the text today is the second of seven parables around the kingdom of God. Now, what's really fascinating is, is that Jesus not only just asked uh, 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 307 questions, only answered three questions, but even out of the parables, he rarely ever explains his parables. So we should really pay attention to the parables that Jesus uh, explained. I'm reminded of a, a, a rabbi uh, who was questioned by his disciple. And, you know, rabbis would constantly ask their disciples questions. And when the disciple would ask them questions, they would ask more questions. And one day the, uh, rab- uh, the disciple asked the rabbi, he says, why do you always answer my questions with questions? And he says, what's wrong with doing that? so we really should pay attention when jesus takes a question and uh, uh, uh gives an answer to a question but then also when jesus gives a parable and explains a parable so it starts off with jesus saying the kingdom of god is like It's important to understand that the kingdom of God is a really important concept to talk about because that is what Jesus preached. Jesus preached about this kingdom and he's trying to give an illustration and and, and, and it's really interesting and it's really important for us to know in a post-industrial internet age uh, context that Jesus doesn't say the kingdom of God is like an industrial production. Where if you put certain kind of inputs in, that you get certain kind of outputs. What Jesus says is that the kingdom of God is like agriculture. Agriculture. There's principles of sowing and reaping, but you also, uh, um, it's, it's not going to always look alike. It's not going to always look the, the, the same. There are some principles that are there, but, but agriculture can be kind of messy. And Jesus gets into this really, really messy parable. So in the story, there is a, a story of like there's a gardener that, that decides to uh, um, sow some wheat. And he sows wheat into this garden. And then there is somebody that comes behind him and then um, sows weed. Now, I know we're in Portland. I'm not talking about marijuana weed. <laughs> These are weeds uh, uh, that um, actually, it's a very deceptive kind of plant. This is a plant called Darnell weed. And Darnell weed looks exactly like regular wheat uh, until it fully matures. 
And what's really interesting in this parable is that uh, uh, the people who are working the field said, hey, gardener, didn't you plant good weeds? I mean, didn't you plant good wheat? And he says, yeah, I did, but there was an enemy that came and sowed some deceptive-looking plants. You know, isn't this kind of the kind of age-old question that if God is good, why do bad things happen? If God is good, why is there evil in the world? If God is good, uh, why is there suffering? Why am I suffering? Why is my family suffering? Why, why is there injustice? But the parable helps us to know that there's an enemy sowing down their weeds that looks just like wheat. So, so what's, what's interesting to understand is that there is a kingdom of God where, where is, there's a goodness that's being sown all around and there is a real enemy that is at work that is trying to, to deceive us, to think that what is good is evil and what is evil is good and we need some discernment on what to do. You know, we have some Dar- Darnell weeds in our times. You know, it's really interesting, like, because part of the story of the American story is that uh, the pilgrims and the Puritans came to the United States as religious, to flee religious persecution. And that is a very true story. So, like, 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 like the, the ships that came on, like the Mayflower, helped them to come over from Europe to this new world and to experience a new religious freedom, which is a good thing. But the ships in which they were sailing on were engaging in exploitive economic practices. That's some Darnell weed. You know, they, they, you know, the United States in about 19, during the 1950s, we started putting in God we trust on our money. When we became a, a, a superpower after uh, um, spending some time defeating Hitler and, 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 and bringing some things to a close, and, and that, that's a good thing that we were able to stop the Holocaust, but the Darnell weed is that Hitler and the Nazi party looked at American laws, both in the state and the federal government, to learn how to oppress a particular ethnic group. That's some Darnell Weeds. Darnell Weeds in the 1950s, we put in God we trust on our money. And the United States is the number one exporter of Bibles. Yet we also are the number one exporter of pornography. Darnell Weeds. So there are times where things can look like the kingdom of God is... Is, 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 there's some good things that are happening and there are some evil and bad things that are happening. We are currently in a time of a wave of a lot of deconstruction. And if I were to label the sermon that I have today and title it, I would say good news for those who are deconstructing. Because there are a lot of people today who are deconstructing over Darnell Weeds. You know, there's a lot of people leaving the church and deconstructing their faith, uh, not because of the things that Jesus says, but, and not because they don't believe in the things that Jesus says, but because the people who claim to follow Jesus don't believe in the things that Jesus says. 
It's oftentimes considered the hypocrisy that is happening, the, the, the faith more into the political system than in the ways of Jesus, the, 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 the ministers that, uh, um, that, that can do exploitive things, both of, whether it's through their money or it's through their sexuality. They engage in exploitive activities. And, and then, you know, we are people that understand that human sin, but then when we do not, as the people of God, hold folks accountable, people are seeing Darnell Weeds. And they're saying, I don't know if I could believe in this Jesus thing. And there's a deep deconstruction of the faith. But those who are listening today, I want to provide you with some good news. Good news for those who might be engaging in deconstruction because Jesus warned us about this 2,000 years ago through this parable. I want to back up a little bit to, to actually help you to see something that it's important when you're like looking at these parables to, 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 to not just only pay attention to the parable itself, but these transitional uh, uh, times. Like, where is Jesus coming from? What is he saying? And I want to take a little time and read some of these like, quote, quote, like throwaway verses. And so in verse 13, I mean, sorry, in chapter 13, verse 36, it says, then he left the crowd. That's Jesus. He left the crowd and went to the house. And his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the fields. I don't know if you understand like how important that is, but he says like when Jesus left the crowd, he went into the house. And then the disciples asked him to explain the parable. I'm going to give you one more time. You know, I know I'm not in a Baptist church. He left the crowd. He went to a place of intimacy in the house. And then the disciples asked him to explain the parable. See, we have to be careful about the wisdom of the crowd. Because the wisdom of the crowd oftentimes leads to groupthink. And when you're engaging in groupthink, um, or, or even, even now, like, it, it, we have to be very careful because we got these things called uh, um, screens and Google and even chat GPT now, right? And, and so what happens is, is that we engage, this is like, uh, 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 um, this is, this is like groupthink on crack, right? This is like, <laughs> this is a terrible thing because what happens is it's amazing people can trust internet expertise, that you have people that engage in then like internet logic. I mean, you would think about during the pandemic where, where it's, it's the first time we had a global pandemic in 100 years. And it's amazing how all of the pandemic experts that we got through Google searches. <laughs> internet logic, group think. And see, it's important for us to understand because the crowd will never be able to have insider knowledge. You know, I am a huge fan of Apple products. And sometimes I might Google Apple products and, and learn about certain things. And there's like, like, like there are certain sites for, for Apple uh, on super fans. And I may or may not have gone on them a couple of times. <laughs> but as much as the super fans know all of the type of things, they're outsiders. And if I really want to understand 
the insider information and to exercise some insider wisdom, I need to talk to somebody who actually is inside the Apple Corporation. This is what the disciples did when they got away from the crowd. They went into the intimate place and then they asked Jesus to explain the parable. You know, this is one of the texts in the scriptures where there is a, a, um, a lot of illustration about hell. And I'm just reminded of the preacher that was about to preach at a revival and, and he, um, he started to uh, get sick and he went to the doctor and said, hey doctor, I need you to get me a shot so that I could like preach this revival because I can't just sit out tonight um, for this revival. And, and, he, and so the doctor said, okay, well roll up your arm so that you can uh, uh, get a shot. He said, oh, no, no, you can't use my arm because uh, um, I need to point at people to let people know who's going to hell and who's not. <laughs> so then he said, okay, well, if you don't want me to use your arm, then, 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 you know, pull your pants down and let me shoot you in the back. And he says, oh, no, 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 I can't have you to shoot me in my, my, my hind pots because I need to stomp and let people know that I'm really serious when I'm preaching. So he said, well, where do you want me to shoot you that you won't be able to, to, to use uh, uh, anything while you're preaching? Thought about it, said, shoot me in my head. I don't really need that one. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of people are very reluctant to talk about hell because there have been many preachers and people that have been very loosey-goosey about saying who's going to hell and who's not. And there is a, a lot of folks who have like very, uh, um, you know, it's, there's this, this saying that there's no love, uh, like, like uh, I'm sorry, there's no hate like Christian love. <laughs> because there can be like a, a genuinely just bad spirit about the way that folks can communicate some things about who's going to heaven and who's not. But this text actually helps us to see a few things that it's important for us to kind of back up a little bit and to try to understand a little bit of what the Bible says about heaven in general. Now just by show of just a quick little survey, what, what's the opposite of heaven? That's actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the opposite of heaven is earth. And when you look at what is happening in the scriptures, this Bible starts off not with a heaven and a hell, but a heaven and a what? Earth. And heaven is expanding to earth. In Genesis 1 and 2, you have heaven coming to earth, and there is this like overlap where there's this deep interconnection between heaven and earth, and God and Adam and Eve are in communion together, and there is no, no, no distance that's happening whatsoever. But then in Genesis 3, evil, hell, begins to enter in earth. And so then you begin to see that there are more hellish things that begin to happen. It starts off with the first of many husband and wives arguments. 
But then that next chapter, there's, there's also shame that enters in the world, and it's a little bit of hell. But then the next chapter, you deal with murder. And then you began to deal with all types of stuff. You deal with rape, and you deal with, with uh, uh, um, child sacrifice, and you deal with all types of heinous, hellish, evil things. And God is still in the business of bringing heaven on earth uh, so that ultimately from Genesis 3 till about Revelation uh, um, 20, you see a lot of mess that is going on and a lot of hellish things on earth. And eventually there will become a new heaven and a new earth where all things, uh, um, um, uh, the old things will pass away and all things become new. And there will be no need for any mourning or crying for God is like in the process of bringing all things new. And we see that interconnection of heaven and earth again. But in between, we're dealing with hell on earth. And so what we see, what God does is he takes sin very seriously. And he says, like, I just don't want you to just, like, not murder somebody. I don't want you to have hate in your heart. I don't want you to just, like, not uh, uh, um, have adultery. I don't want you to have lust in your heart. I actually want to remove hell from earth, and I want you to bring more heaven on earth. And so it's in that spirit that Jesus is sharing this parable. And so then when he says when harvest times come, like there's going to be a lot of mixture. There are going to be some people bringing heaven on earth, and there's going to be some people bringing hell on earth. And these are human choices that people are making. And eventually when harvest times comes, I'm going to let people make the choice that they want. Eventually when there's a new heaven, a new earth, there will be no more hell on earth. And all the people that want to be conduits to bringing evil into the world, they're going to go to where they're going to go because they have made their choices. But those who want to be a conduit of heaven on earth, you will get a chance to experience God in this eternal communion. I'm glad I got one amen. <laughs> so there's some insight that is good news for those who are deconstructing. First of all, with all just sincerity, I just want to say I'm sorry. You know, the word Arabon is a Greek word that means a foretaste of things to come. The way it's used in the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit is given to the church as a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Well, the world doesn't get the Holy Spirit. The world gets the church. And we are supposed to be a foretaste of the kingdom of God. And I'm sorry that in many ways, we aren't a foretaste of the kingdom of God. And, and, and even, like, it's important to understand that, that like, in Christian theology, when, you're, when you are a saint, it doesn't mean that you stop being a sinner. It just means that you're a confessing sinner that is working on the process of sanctification over a period of time. And so, how do we deal with our broken humanity is something that Christians engage with. And so, you know, you don't want to, don't have an expectation that you're going to be dealing with people who are perfect. No, you're just dealing with people who are sinners that go through the process of confessing their sins. And, and, and hopefully over a period of time, we become more and more like Jesus over a period of time. That's what it means to follow Jesus. 
I'm sorry that we're mismodeling that. I'm sorry for people like myself who are ministers that mismodel that. And I hope that you give an opportunity to see some people who are living a different alternative way than what might be turning you off from the gospel. There is some really great insight by just paying attention to the flow that Matthew was bringing in this text. In chapter 12, Jesus' mother and his brother are looking for him. And he says, they said, hey, your brother and mother are looking for you. And uh, can you come out? And he's, he's actively talking to some of his, like, disciples. Not just the 12, but there's some men, some women that are there. And he says, like, hey, the people who are kind of like my biological family, you know, I mean, they may or may not be my, they're not my, necessarily my brothers and sisters. My, my brothers and sisters and my mother are people that actually do the will of God. Those that do the will of the Father, I have more kinship with those who are following the will of God than those who are biological family. And it's out of that, he then goes into the story in the parable of what they call the sowers, the parable of the farmers. And he begins to talk about how the kingdom of God is like a, a, a seed, and the seed is the word of God. And this word of God uh, uh, can fall on four different areas. It can fall on soil that's like a hard path. It can fall on a rocky path. It can fall on a thorny path or thorny soil, or it could fall on good soil. It could fall, I'm sorry, hard path, a rocky soil, thorny soil, or good soil. And he says that basically the hard path is like when people just don't understand the scriptures and understand the word of God, and the enemy will kind of come and snatch that up. The rocky path is that somebody might understand it and get really excited, but there's nothing deep root to kind of hold on to this. And so what ends up happening is when trouble times come, then the seeds of the kingdom of God don't flourish. Then there's a thorny path where people like hear the word of God, but they're so preoccupied with the hustle of life and the deceitfulness of wealth that the word of God gets choked out. And in the time with, I know I, this is my biggest battle, right? It's that thorny path. But those that engage And cultivating the soil of their hearts with the word of God, the kingdom of God takes root and it takes, it flourishes in their lives, in their heart and in their life. So what the good news of, for the, those who might be deconstructing, it's, 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 it's good news to know that Jesus tells us in the parable of the wheats and the weeds is that it's hard to determine who is going to hell and who is going to heaven. And that it's going to look very, sometimes it can look very similar and, and it's hard to know where is that happening. And so as humans, we aren't good judges on these things. But the thing that we can do is we can be gardeners in our own heart. That we can get away from the crowd, go to a place of intimacy, and ask Jesus questions that helps us to understand what is the kingdom of God? 
how to sow the words of the kingdom of God in our life and in our hearts. And then God can bring fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that is what I want to pray for you all, that you all will be people that will seek to understand the word of God, cultivate deep roots, and really allow God to be, to make you an agent of bringing heaven on earth. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you so much um, that there is a revealing that is happening. It feels like some level of a, a harvest where we're seeing that there are some saints and there are some ain'ts. And that we need to we, we, we stop judging one another, but to see, Lord, what is it that's going on in my own heart? What is it that you're calling me to do? Uh, um, how am I not applying your word in my life? I can't control my brother, my sister, or the person on the internet, but what I can do is say, where's hypocrisy going on in my life? But I do pray for my brothers and sisters here at Bend, Oregon, here at Antioch, that you would help those that might get a sense of feeling strong in their faith now to continue to cultivate it, and those that might feel weak to know this is part of the journey and that you're inviting them to get away from the crowd, to find a place of intimacy, and to ask you questions because you love questions. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.